Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Last teaching, we ended on a very important line of inquiry. We are looking into the family of Mr. and Mrs. Adam. We are looking into the family of Adam and Eve. And the question we ask ourselves was, what was the constitution of Adam's family? Or more specifically, the question we're asking ourselves is, did Adam and Eve have any other children before Seth, other than Cain and Abel? Because we feel that this question will be and is important. And we said, when we finished last week without going into it, we said the straightforward answer to that question is yes, that Adam and Eve must have had other children apart from Cain and Abel before Seth. So what we want to do today is to ask ourselves to look at the evidence, because how can I be so certain that they must have had other children? So we are going to use what is commonly called deductive thinking. Let's look at what I mean by deductive thinking because this is actually biblical. I'm going to read uh, an incident for you and I'm not going to go into the whole whole story, but this is something that the Lord Jesus told the Pharisees and I want you to see how the Lord Jesus used deductive thinking. And you will see this throughout the whole scripture. So let's read Matthew chapter 22 and we are going to read verses 41 to 45. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them saying, what think ye of Christ? So that is where we are going. We want to answer that question. What think ye of Christ? And I want you to see how the Lord Jesus used deductive thinking to get to the conclusion here. What think you of Christ, whose son he is? And they said to him, the son of David. Verse 43, then Jesus said to them, how then does David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool." So if David called him Lord, how is he his son? Can you see how the Lord Jesus actually used deductive reasoning to come to the conclusion? Okay, you said, the Christ is the son of David. All right. But David called the Christ or the Messiah, David called him Lord. Then how can you then say that the Christ is <laughs> the son of David? So, so this was the Lord Jesus using deductive reason, reasoning here, or what some people would call deductive logic. Essentially, when you do deductive reasoning, and we use this all the time. What we are doing is to draw conclusion based on known truth. Okay, we are draw, drawing conclusion based on known truth. It's actually a top-down method of reasoning. It's a top-down method of reasoning. So when you are doing deductive reasoning, what you do is that you start with a general statement to then reach a, a logical conclusion. Okay, for example, let me give you a simple example. If I say Mr. F is the father of peace, okay? So let me use me. If we say uh, Dr. Fenoyo is the father of peace, and then we say Dr. Fenoyo is the father of praise, and Dr. Fenoyo is the father of precious. Those are my three children. Then the conclusion is, if I'm the father of those three children, then that means those three children 
must be brothers and sisters. Do you see that? Now, if I don't tell you about their mom, obviously they all have the same mom. Okay. But from what I said, I am the father of these three children. You can say conclusively that those three children, they were brothers and sisters. Now, if you don't know anything about your mom, you may not conclusively say that they are, you know, children of the same mother. But because they have the same father, they are brothers and sisters. They may be half brothers, they may be half sister, they may be full brother or full sister. Obviously, in this particular case, I can then tell you that the three of them also have the same mother. And then you can deductively say, that the three of them are brothers and sisters. So that is a very simple example. And in our Bible reading today, the Lord Jesus was also using that deductive reasoning that if David called Christ his Lord, is Christ then really David's son? <laughs> okay. All right. You don't call your son your Lord. Okay. So it was trying to juggle their, their thinking. Yes, there's a sense in which the Christ was David's son in the flesh. But in reality, <laughs> David was the son of the Christ. You see, in reality, the Christ was the Lord of David. So this is deductive reasoning. Now we use this type of reasoning in Bible study and we use this type of reasoning in day-to-day life. You can contrast that to what people call inductive reasoning, which is more of a bottom-up reasoning where we move from specific observation to general explanation. This is what people do when they do research and statistics and things like that. But we are not talking about inductive reasoning here. What we want to do is to use deductive reasoning to try and answer this question. How can we answer this question with respect to whether Adam and Eve have another children before Seth? other than Cain and Abel. And remember what I said, this is not just, you know, an exercise in just mere intellectualism. Actually, the answer to this question is important because number one, people try to use this to pull the fate of people down. And number two, it's actually going to help us to understand the story and also answer some very relevant questions on the way. So let's start just like every deductive reasoning do. Let's start with what we know. Is that okay? So, this is what we know, that the first child of Adam and Eve is a boy, <laughs> and his name is Cain. We know that. We know that sometimes later, Eve gave birth to another boy, and his name was called Abel. Obviously, we know Cain then killed Abel, so we know that. Then we don't know that many years later, they gave birth to another boy called Seth. So we know that. We know they had three boys. Okay, One was killed by his brother. So we know that they had three boys. Also, there's something that we know in the way that the Bible documents history of genealogy. And we read that in that curious genealogy that we saw in the book of Genesis chapter 5. Let me read it again because I believe that is very, very important. Genesis chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years and begat his son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had become begotten Seth were eight hundred years and he begat sons and daughters and all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. And one of the things we know is that biblical genealogy does not always tell us all the children that are involved. Because if you are new to the Bible and you happen to read Genesis chapter 5 verse 3 to 5 first, you will be forgiven to think that Seth was Adam and Eve's first child. But we know that that is not the case. Somehow, this genealogy blanks off the children of Adam before Seth. So this genealogy 
very clearly did not record all the children, all the descendants of Adam. It only recorded for us only selected ones. And you need to understand that when you read genealogy in the scriptures, sometimes they do jump you know, some generation, maybe because they want the genealogy to fit in into a certain rhythm. We want a rhythm of 12, we want a rhythm of seven, but specifically this genealogy that we read here in Genesis chapter five, verses three to five, definitely cut off (laughs) the genealogy of Adam before Seth. I mean, obviously the record that we read before then did tell us that they have, at least they have two children before Seth. Now, so we are talking about what we know. Remember, we are trying to answer a question here. Now, we do not know how old Cain and Abel was when that incident happened when Cain killed Abel. But we know that there was a period of a couple of years between that incident when Cain killed Abel. We know there was a couple of years between that incident and the birth of Seth. We've discussed this in our previous re- teaching because we know that Adam was 130 years when Seth was born. The scripture that we read told us and that he then went on to live 800 more years and he had many sons and daughters. We know, we know that. What else do we know? Okay. And we are going to come to this one in other teaching. We also know that when we move forward in this chapter, when after Cain killed Abel and God came and God cursed him, Cain said something that was quite interesting. After God caused Cain, Cain feared and he said something in Genesis chapter 4, the second part of verse 14. Cain said, everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Everyone that findeth me shall slay me. That was a curious thing to say because at that point, there were only three of them in existence. There was his parent, Adam and Eve, and there was him. So why will Cain say, everyone that findeth me shall slay me. If there were no other children of Adam and Eve around at that point, who could Cain be talking about here? Now, we are looking at all this point together. Now, there's another point that we need to consider as we deduce what is going on. Now, this is very huge. This is very important that if there were no other children, particularly daughters, at this point, at this stage in the story, where will Cain and by extension said, where will they have gotten their wives from? Now, this is very, very important. Okay. If there were no children at this point, if, if, if before Seth was born, all that Adam and Eve had were Cain and Abel. Question, where did Cain get his wife from? And by extension, where did Seth get his own wife from? Now, I'm going to put this on as a picture so this is the story here. So we have Adam, their first son, Cain, and not long after Cain, they have Abel. But there was the big period, isn't it, between those two and the birth of Seth. Now, from reading through the scripture, this is what we know. Okay, so this is what happened then. So here, what we see is that Cain has killed Abel. All right. And so that's why we put Abel down here. So we have Cain. Obviously, this was before Seth was born. So we have Cain here. Now, the question then is, if this is all we have, where did Cain get his wife from? Because the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve were the first and only human being that God created. There is no parallel universe that God created. God didn't create any other human. Okay, I know there are some people that want to believe that God created. No, the Bible tells us those were the two 
people that God created. So, and what then happened is that the next thing we learn when God, you know, caused Cain and Cain left the presence of God, the next thing we learn is that Cain knew his wife. The question is, where did that wife come from? And later on, we know that Seth also had a wife. And the question is, where will those wife come from? Particularly, let's start with Cain. Where will this woman have come from? Okay, this woman could only have come if Adam and Eve had daughters. There's absolutely no, no way or nowhere Cain could have had a wife if it was not that Adam and Eve also have other children, particularly daughters. So we can deduce that Adam and Eve must have had other children, most likely daughters, before eventually giving birth to Seth. And it is possible, and we can only say possible, it is possible that during the time that the story of Cain and Abel were happening, it is possible and it is possible that Adam and Eve also had at least one daughter, maybe even more than one daughter. It is not unusual in biblical time for people to go through genealogy and only talk about the son, particularly the first son. Okay, and in this particular case, anyway, the genealogy that we read actually jumped the whole thing that was happening anyway before Seth. So at least one of Adam's son must have married his sister. That's my point. At least one of Adam's son must have married their sister. It is possible that either one or both of the brothers, that is Cain and Abel, either one of them or both of them had a wife when Abel was killed. Now, we are not told. We are not told whether Abel was married. Genesis chapter 4, verses 16 to 17. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife and she conceived. By the time he got to this land, he already had a wife. All we knew is that he knew his wife and they had a son. Where will the woman has come from? The woman will have come from Adam and Eve. The only explanation for the story as it developed is that Adam and Eve did have at least a daughter or maybe even daughters. Around the time that they had Cain and Abel, and definitely before they had said, why did the Bible not tell us? Because oftentimes the Bible is not, the Bible can be quiet on some of this genealogy, just as we have seen when we read the first genealogy in the book of Genesis. Now, I can hear your objection. The objection is, a brother marrying a sister, that cannot be possible because is that not against the law of God? Is that not also against the law of men? It's not sexual relation with first degree relative, parents, sibling, children, and parents. Is that not universally forbidden? You may ask. Indeed, when we read the book of Leviticus chapter 18, you will see that the law of Moses forbid incest. Leviticus chapter 18 verse 9 from the contemporary English version. God said, don't have sex with your sister or self-sisters, whether you grew up together or not. <laughs> okay? Isn't that very clear? All right. Don't do it. But when you drop down to verse 24 to 25, he actually told us the reason why God told them not to do it. Don't make yourself unclean by any of these disgusting practices of those nations that I am forcing out of the land for you. They made themselves and the land so unclean that I punished the land because of their sins. 
and I made it vomit them out. So we can see here that God said, don't have sex with your sister and self-sisters because the people of the land were doing that same thing. But the point here is that they were, it was an unclean, disgusting practices that were going on here. First and foremost, okay, Adam and Eve's children married their close relative by necessity. And this is very, very important. Okay. Cain married his sister by necessity. It was not an expression of sexual exploitation. There was nobody else for them to marry at that stage of history. Now, even in that stage, even at that stage of history, we could read in between the line that even in those days, marriage between parents and their children were disallowed because the Bible says that a man will leave his father, a man will leave his mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. And you can read into that, that even at that earlier stage, the sexual relationship between parent and their children or children and their parent was forbidden. But at this point, there was a necessity that the brothers and the sister, they had nobody else to marry. And I want you to see here that it was not a sexual abuse. It was not a sexual exploitation. Unlike what is now happening in the land, which was what was happening when God was given the law to Moses in the book of Leviticus, because then this incest has become sexual abuse. It has become sexual exploitation. It, can, it has become sexual uncleanness. Okay. And one of the things we also need to understand is that in those days, in those early years of history of human, I'm talking about during the time of Adam and Eve and their immediate children, in those early years of history, genes were healthy enough to allow siblings to marry without the attending health risk. I mean, one of the health risks of people marrying within the same family is all the genetic, you know, complication that can attend to that, okay? Especially in these days. But in those days, when, when they were still very, very close to the Garden of Eden, in those early days, those risks were very, very low. The risk of them having this genetic malformation and mutation and all those other things that can happen when people marry you know, among themselves, the risk at that point was very, very low. Now, in fact, when you fast forward in the scripture, even during the time of Abraham, which was a couple of thousands of years after anyway, Adam and Eve, okay, even during the time of Abraham, the need to avoid ungodly religious influences meant that people were marrying within their relative. For example, Sarah was Abraham's step-sister or half-sister, okay? You can use any one of those words. Sarah was Abraham's half-sister. Abraham's brother, Nahor, actually married his niece, Milka. Also, Rebecca was Isaac's first cousin, even though they were removed by a generation. And what about Jacob? Jacob married two of his female cousins, okay? Now, I want you to see that in those days, you know, that type of relationship is not seen in the same light as it then develops as time goes on. So we have Adam and Eve, we have Abraham, but by the time we get to Moses, God, God obviously tightened the standard, okay? When he gave the law to Moses. Why? Because there has been a whole lot of changes. There are now whole nation of godly people to marry from. During the time of Abraham, Abraham he was living among Gentiles. During the time of Adam and Eve, there was nobody else for them to marry, okay? But by the time 
by the time of Moses, there was a whole nation of godly people to marry from, number one. Number two, the health risk of such marriage is now significantly high. For one thing, <laughs> sin has been established <laughs> in the midst of them and around them. And also by that time, that act is now prone to abuse and exploitation. Okay? And, you know, and, and it is a known fact that that sexual abuse is perpetrated within family to a greater extent by people that are known to the victim. So by this point in time, God had to tighten that standard because that act is now prone to abuse. This is a classic case of something that is right in an era, that is right in an area, that is right under a certain condition that is now a crime in another era and under a different condition. For example, sex between a man and a woman will be right under the right condition, but will be wrong under a different condition. And this is very, very clear for us to understand. So in conclusion today, to be very, very clear, incest is a crime. And you cannot use what happened in the garden or close to the garden of Eden to justify it. Incest is a crime, both legally and biblically. But during the time of Adam and Eve, it was a necessity for that to happen. Praise the Lord. And I believe that as clear of this issue. And now we can see that you can explain where Cain got his wife from. Because this is, a, you know, people think they are smart. Where did Cain get his wife from? That's the answer. Okay. And this is the reason why it happened. And this is the reason why incest is now a crime. It's a sin, both biblically and legally. So we have looked into the constitution of Adam's family, and in doing so, we have inevitably bumped into the question of where Adam's son got their wife from. And also we have talked about the question of incest. So next time, by the grace of God, we can now move on in our story. And if you are listening to me tonight and you have not come to Jesus, to the cross of Jesus, and you need to. There's no other name given among men whereby we might be saved, okay? The only name by which we can be saved is that name, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This life is a test run. What you do with Jesus in this life will determine where you spend eternity. And I want you and I to spend eternity with God. And the only way to do that is to be born again. Because you cannot go to God in the state and condition of the heart that we have, something has to change. And the only way that will happen is through the cross of Jesus. That is why we go to him, so that we can be saved. Confess that you are a sinner, that you need a savior. It will come in, it will save you, it will walk the rest of this life with you. And when this is all over, we spend eternity with him in the new heaven and new earth. Do it right now. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.